0: On August 6, 1990, Gulam Isha Khan dismissed the government of Benazir Bhutto. After a decade-long repressive dictatorial regime of ul Haq, Pakistan had a young, dynamic, educated female leader with the potential to lead Pakistan into the 21st century. This was the promise of Benazir Bhutto. The size of her jalsas during the 1988 elections were nothing like Pakistan has ever seen, or has seen since then. Her movement against Zayal Haq has been the largest anti establishment movement ever in the history of Pakistan. By the time the 1988 elections happened, Pakistan had already been under direct military rule for 24 of its first 41 years. To give you a sense of how much the establishment hated the will of the people, Pakistan was divided into two after the first general election in 1970. And the person who won the election was arrested. The next general election was held in 1977 and the person who emerged victorious there was hanged by a military dictator merely two years later. The 1985 election was under Ziaul Haq, so it does not count. So when Benazir Bhutto won the third direct election in 1988, it should come as no surprise to anyone familiar with the history of Pakistan that it did not end well. But you need to realise there was no way for the people of Pakistan to know that then. For them, it felt like a new dawn. The decades of dictatorship were over. Pakistan was going to be free and democratic. No more extremism, no more war. At least that was the promise. Here was someone who was part of the anti-Vietnam protest while at Harvard, who invited Rajiv Gandhi to Pakistan four weeks after assuming office to signal the end of 40 years of hostility. This was the peace that was promised. Benazir Bhutto was just Pakistan's second elected prime minister, the world's youngest prime minister of the time and the first elected female leader in the Islamic world. She really lived up to her name. Here is journalist Zarar Khodo articulating what Benazir Bhutto becoming prime minister meant to a generation
1: the first Benazir. Benazir yeah first Benazir government i know like you know now it'll sound incredibly idealistic to people but uh, you have to remember where we were then na? absolutely you know we had just come out of uh, you know over a decade i mean I, i'm a zia boy right i grew up uh, in those times and um, Suddenly, you know, it was as if like everything has suddenly changed. You know, it was as if the color of the sky had changed. You know, I mean, it was, I'm not going to, you know, I can't downplay what a seismic uh, historic event that was. You know, they are dying and then, you know, elections Mm -hmm. being held on JSEB, you know. And then, you know, I mean, everything that followed and the musical chairs and then, of course, the, you know, I mean, the akibat kiaat pito theen hai. koi seen nahi
0: hai. hope that a generation felt was extinguished barely 20 months into her prime ministership. Even before Benazir Bhutto took office, the establishment informed her that they would not call an assembly session if she had not ratified the IMF agreement already signed on by the establishment. The president, Ulamis Khan, the army chief, Aslam Beg, and the ISI chief, Hamid Gul, all had contempt for her family. They propped up and supported Islamic factions against her in the 1988 elections. The IJI was funded by the ISI. But the overwhelming support Benazir Bhutto had was undeniable. To ensure Benazir did not control Pakistan's epicenter, the establishment made their poster boy of that time, Nawaz Sharif, the chief minister of Punjab. Certain officers reportedly refused to salute her because she was a woman. Some religious leaders started issuing fatwas that a woman could not even be prime minister. Certain factions of the establishment never accepted her as prime minister. Senior civil servants allowed a hijacked Soviet plane to land in Pakistan the day she took office, without even informing her. Benazir Bhutto assumed office on 2nd December 1988. By September 1989, Operation Midnight Jackal was in full swing. The ISI, allegedly under the directions of General Aslam Beg, was ready to oust Benazir Bhutto. MQM was so certain that the army chief and the president's plan would succeed, that they jumped ship from PPP to the IGI. But somehow, Benazir Bhutto managed to defeat the vote of no confidence. The victory, however, was short-lived. As a few months later, her government was dismissed by President Hulam Isha Khan, alleging corruption and a failure to maintain law and order. This episode is not a dissection of Benazir Bhutto's policies, failures, or successes. As with any government, there are a fair few of both. This episode focuses on how democratic governments are not allowed to function by an establishment desperate to completely control every single part of the country. Corruption is an endemic problem in Pakistan. Nadeem Farooq Paracha came on the podcast to talk about how Ziaul Haq introduced and popularized corruption in politics in Pakistan. How is it that after a decade of Ziaul Haq, 24 years of military dictatorship, a civilian prime minister comes into power with the establishment's president, the establishment's chief minister in Punjab, and an establishment-funded opposition, a toothless media, and a compromised judiciary? How exactly did that prime minister manage to do so much corruption that she had to be removed just barely a year into the office? whereas military dictators have ruled over Pakistan for decades. The man who replaced Benazir Bhutto was dismissed himself three years later, and Benazir Bhutto came back into power. This time, she took a hard line on India, let the establishment rule over their preferred areas, and did not openly go to war with the religious right. This is what the problem with dismissing democratically elected governments and installing hybrid regimes is. You change the system so much that future prime ministers also have no option but to work within that compromised system to regain power. Political space that democracy seeds is hard to win back. Pakistan lost that space again in 2018 when a democratically elected government was attacked by the establishment and political parties were cut down to size to bring a hybrid regime in. Imran Khan is no longer prime minister, but the hybrid regime continues. PTI folks rightfully say that we're living in a quasi military dictatorship, but they fail to admit that they were the ones who brought this setup in, in 2018. And now it might just take another decade of democracy and political parties to regain the space they gained 2008 to 2018. All the instability, economic destruction and suspension of human rights that Pakistan has faced for the last 5-6 years. What even has it all been for? For the ambitions and plans of a handful of people? For the projects to play out? This is why this episode of Pakistan Lost is on 6th August 1990. The day Pakistan lost again. We could have buried our history of dictatorships and started a new era of democracy, for good or for bad. Democracy would have evolved, improved, and flourished in Pakistan. But the intervention of the establishment did not allow the people of Pakistan to exercise their will. Zayal Haq destroyed the country for a decade and left the politicians to clean up the mess. Krishna Lamb writes about how Zayal Haq had bankrupted the country and had to borrow on high interest rates just to pay government wages. Even during Benazir Bhutto's second stint, her government faced discontent from the masses due to inflation and worsening economic conditions. All while Benazir Bhutto was adamant that she would not reduce the defence budget. Benazir had learned from her first stint to not be on the wrong side of the establishment. Even that did not help her. As even Farooq Laghari, somebody she saw as a party loyalist, colluded with the establishment under illusions of a presidential system with him in charge to dismiss Benazir Bhutto's government again. And this time, the establishment faced a monster of their own making. Nawaz Shari's popularity had soared and he came in with the two-third majority in 1997. It was no longer that easy to remove him as Prime Minister. But to remove him, they did. Just two years later, there was another military coup and Pakistan faced another decade of a military dictatorship. If Benazir Bhutto's first government was not dismissed, Wouldn't need to wait till 2013 to see a civilian transfer of power. All the problems that we are facing today, terrorism, the role of the establishment in politics, extremism, antagonism with India, Inezir Bhutto was against all of them. She had to readjust those positions in her second stint because of her experience of being dismissed in the first. But had we zigged instead of zagging and the people of Pakistan were allowed to exercise their will, Pakistan probably would not have been at the brink of war with India nine years later and on the front lines of another American war 11 years later. The man on the top changed. But despite losing a decade to political engineering in the 90s, Pakistan went from Zayal Haq promoting Jihad to get American dollars in the 80s to Musharraf promoting Jihad to get American dollars in the 2000s. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And the woman who was meant to change that, when she came back to Pakistan to give the people of Pakistan that hope again, she was bombed and then murdered. Nobody was even allowed to name the names. The names, she told Wolf Blitzer, the ones that were out to kill her, according to her. We found a conspiracy theory and another politician to blame. And people believe that, so much so, that nobody even questions who watched the crime scene. Why did the cell phones of the police officers go missing? And why were people involved in the investigation, also murdered? These are the questions that lead to you being murdered as well in Pakistan. But the death of Benazir, maybe, is another episode of Pakistan Lost. For the next episode, we'll focus on another hybrid regime. This time, a little closer to our history.